We're reading Psalm 19 this morning. You can find it in your service sheets or on page 552 in the church Bibles. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 4, which you can find on page uh, 1031 in the church Bibles. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Do please take your seats as Carol comes to speak to us. I apologise. <laughs> So I'm going to be uh, speaking from the passage in Luke, and I suggest you have it open in front of you, if possible. 
Um, It was page 1031 in the church Bibles. This short passage is so deep and so rich. I would encourage you to spend the week between this morning when we're talking about healing and next week when we're talking again about healing. I, I would encourage you to spend time with this passage. Let it just flow over you. Say the words again and again. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. So in this reading in Luke, we have Jesus asking us to reimagine the kingdom of God. There was something quite normal and mundane about Jesus going to the synagogue. And yet we see God's kingdom breaking through, coming through into the everyday. And this speaks to me so much about being surprised by God when we're just doing everyday stuff. We should be expecting the Holy Spirit to surprise us and stop us in our tracks quite regularly. This little passage has been described as Jesus' mission statement. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I think in order to look at it, it's easiest just to break it up into sections. So this first section, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. There's no doubt that Jesus was and is anointed. But so what? What does that mean for us? What about us in our Christian work? Since Pentecost, the church, that's you and me, has been the vehicle for spreading God's kingdom. We are all commissioned to be part of this incredible work. Your work will be different from mine, and mine will be different from the next person's. But we are each and every one of us part of it. Paul in 1 Corinthians describes us all as the body of Christ in which teaching, prophecy, miracles and healings are all important parts. Jesus himself was clear in the Great Commission which is found at the end of Matthew's Gospel. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our commission. We need to tell people that Jesus died and rose again. And sometimes... Often, the Holy Spirit will show them in signs and wonders, which brings us on to the next bit, proclaiming good news to the poor. How do we do that? It's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Well, a good model is to look at how Jesus did it and how the early church, which grew incredibly fast, did it. 
They preached. Yes, of course they did. We have examples of Jesus, Peter, Stephen, Paul, and others, all preaching. Nothing wrong with preaching. But whenever they were preaching, it was accompanied by signs of the kingdom breaking through. There was healing, and there were other miracles. Shouldn't we be expecting exactly the same? So in the next phrase, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, to set the oppressed free. Freedom from what? As some of you know, I did a placement in Aylesbury Young Offenders Institute. How exactly do you proclaim freedom in a prison? On my way on, in on the first day, I said, I was there with another student, and I said to him, if the gospel doesn't work here, we simply don't have a gospel. I heard him take a sharp intake of breath. But I have to tell you that the gospel was incredibly powerful inside a locked prison. And yes, we preached freedom for the prisoners. Many of the young offenders were addicts. They were traumatized by their past, sometimes because of mistakes they had made, but also the suffering inflicted on them by others. And yet we could pray for them and see the Holy Spirit healing and releasing them to worship. I have never, ever experienced worship like there was in that prison. It was deep and it was heartfelt and it was joyful. At one point, I remember thinking, I hope heaven is this good. It was, it was just so amazing to see these prisoners worship. They were still locked up. They still spent awful amounts of time alone in their cells. They still had criminal records. But they experienced freedom from all that had haunted and destroyed their lives. And freedom to worship God. That is freedom, when we are released from our own prisons and addictions. And those addictions can be clear, like drugs or alcohol, or socially acceptable ones, like materialism, food, control, self-sufficiency, dieting, exercise, pornography, whatever it is. Yes, it's exaggerated in a prison, but there are plenty of people who aren't locked up, who are in prisons. Recently, when our home looked like a war zone and we were living in a hotel, and I know many, many people were praying for us, I felt real release and healing as I was able eventually to hand it to the Holy Spirit. Part of that release for me was being able to let people know how difficult I was finding it. I was challenged about my own need for self-sufficiency and control and about not admitting and being vulnerable to quite what it was doing. In my experience, freedom can come in unexpected ways, sometimes hidden in struggle, pain and disappointment. Sometimes it comes from places we least expect it. Is the Lord's favour upon us when all is well, when we feel safe, privileged and lacking nothing, 
or on the inside looking out? Or is his favour truly upon us when we're on the outside looking in, needing each other and the Lord to keep us going, aware of our own weakness and vulnerability? I have a friend who has a saying that an oyster needs grit to make a pearl. And whenever I say to her, I'm really stressed or I can't do this, she talks about, is that the grit in your oyster? Is the Lord making a pearl out of this? It can be hard to ask for prayer. I know I struggle. But that's how we gain release from the prisons that hold us. And Jesus goes on in his mission statement to proclaim the year of our Lord's favour. This is, of course, a reference to the year of Jubilee, when traditionally slaves were freed from bondage, land was returned to their original owners. It's in recognition that everything belongs to God. But it also speaks to us about release from our own bondage to destructive behaviour or illness. In my previous church, I helped set up a group which went out to pray for healing on the streets. It was a long, painful and difficult journey, which I really won't go into here. But we did see healings. The most amazing of which was when I was approached and asked to pray for somebody's relative. I think it was Bangladesh. It was either Bangladesh or Pakistan. He was unable to get to a doctor or a health centre. He lived in a remote area and was expected to die. I prayed without much hope and not even clear about exactly what it was I was praying for. The lady who had asked me to pray came back the next week and told me that her relative had got up off his bed at about the same time I had been praying and was now well. Of course God heals today. But I found a lot of what we were asked to pray for out on the street was about debts, fear, and an illability inability to cope with our enlightened, success-orientated society. We need to be proclaiming the Holy Spirit's ability to release us. When Jesus heals the blind, he's often proclaiming God's sovereignty, sovereignty, can't say that word, over fear and bondage. He's referring to being able to see God's kingdom. I don't watch Bear Grylls as a rule, honestly. But a friend alerted me to the episode where Bear prays prays for President Obama. It is incredibly moving to see as Bear asks the most powerful man in the Western world if he can pray for him. And Mr. Obama says yes and bows his head. This is the kingdom where the most powerful accept that God is in charge And the humble are brave enough to pray. I wonder, are we willing to take those same risks as Bear and Mr. Obama? In our society, we're used to the idea of freedom as license to do as we wish. Jesus, however, understands freedom differently. True freedom does not consist in money and possessions or the ability to do as you please. It's a release from grief, from broken-heartedness, the will of others, and the will of the self. 
Jesus preaches the freedom of slavery to God's will and service to the neighbor. Such a definition of freedom can only be grasped from following Jesus. An encounter with Jesus leaves people changed for the better. Their circumstances may or may not change, but they, as people, understand better. When I was on the prayer ministry team at a previous church, I prayed for someone who'd just been diagnosed as terminally ill. She was in great distress, and her plight so moved me that I simply sat and cried with her. I felt afterwards that I'd not helped her at all. I felt a complete failure that I'd not even been able to pray coherently for her. And yet a colleague went to visit her afterwards and said she'd felt helped and comforted by my tears. She wasn't ever healed physically. She had a progressive disease that left her more and more disabled. And yet, incredibly, in the last stages of her illness, she was able to let us know how blessed she felt to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. She had found release and peace that could only have been from the Holy Spirit. There is real change in the spirit and life of the person who hears this good news and whose life is never the same afterwards. Jesus' announcement doesn't come simply as an injunction upon imperfect people, but as words with power, which changes people forever. Praying for healing can seem really risky, a bit like getting on a plane and not knowing quite where it might take you. But we're giving control to one who loves us enough that he died for us. And that seems to me to be a pretty safe bet. Surely to be a follower of Jesus is to engage with the ministry that he commissioned us for. So the question for us is, do we reject Jesus' commission as dangerous, unworkable, a bit too revolutionary? Or do we sign up? Do we take those risks and go with it, saying, with Jesus, now is the moment for this to be fulfilled. Amen.